Yeah, I'm getting a, a coffee subscription finally because I know you've been singing the praises of that for a minute, you hipster. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I mean, I've been drinking shitty coffee for the past year because I've been really poor, you know, poor New York boy, you know, just living in the old, the old New York life. But, uh, you know, I finally got a little bit of money lying around, so I uh, signed up for trade.com. It's like fair trade coffee supports, you know, different roasters and baristas all across the country during these troubled Rona times. And uh, fuck, I fell in love with coffee again, man. Like just the the range of flavors, brews and stuff. It's pretty cool. But I'm I'm glad you got into it, man. Like, uh, are you excited? Did you get your first bag of beans yet? No, I think it's in route, man. I mean, Dolores really took care of me. She got me this this coffee thing. She also got, and sorry, we got to talk about this, but we weren't a lot of episodes without talking about it. We got to talk about my my dick for a second uh she she, (laughs) our national nightmare we thought was never gonna happen we haven't had a dick update in many episodes (laughs) the people have been asking for it give them what they want which is that she got me uh like me undies right like a subscription because i know yeah i've heard of me undies those micro modal things and as this fucking philistine max i was sitting here being like what no too expensive for fucking underwear no dumb And I don't That's care how I feel stuff. Well, I'm here to eat all the crow that was here because my balls, man, and my dick are hanging out on clouds on top of marshmallows and shit. It's the most comfortable Damn. underwear I've ever had in my entire life. And I love it. Damn. I mean, I guess it's like a worth, it's like, you know, invest in a pillow because you, you spend, you know, a third of your life sleeping on it, yeah. right? Like uh, underwear, like fucking wearing that shit all the time. Might as well be comfortable. So that that's a ringing endorsement for MeUndies. And it has pizza on it. So like... I mean, what more could you ask for? Comfort plus pizza plus underwear? MeUndies. Success. Now listen, they're not a sponsor, I promise. But like, I think we just pitched our first... Uh, that's a proof of concept, man. Yeah, we'll just... We'll send that over to the money people at MeUndies. We'll let them figure it out. Uh, we're accepting uh, cash <laughs> or check. However you want to do this. Uh, uh, like, what's the other one? Cashier's check, money order venmo uh, paypal yeah we can just continue listing all of the ways that you barter can transfer system. money to somebody <laughs> else. barter system no no but so that was really cool so i've gotten a, like a couple cool like that's the weird thing is being because by the way let's talk about this i mean this is i wanted to do a podcast today because we are running out the clock on my 20s quite literally this is the, yeah. one of the last creative things i'm gonna do i have another creative thing to do after this um that I'm going to do in my twenties. And I think it's really important to, 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 to kind of check in a max a couple weeks back. I, we always joke about this. We were both April babies. You've been 30 for a couple weeks now, you know? Yeah. Uh, so how, I mean, should I know anything? I mean, you, you've been in it for a minute, you know? I mean, I, I've been too busy being an essential worker to like even have an existential crisis about that, right. you know, <laughs> like about the thirties thing. Like you just reminded me <laughs> that I'm 30. I kind of forgot. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Because uh, like I spent my birthday like I've spent the past seven birthdays at work, uh, but this time it was at work during the Rona, so extra layer of fear. But hey, my coworkers got me a mini cheesecake, which was cool. So that's something. I'm not I've really a huge fan of cheesecake, but it was the thought that counts. I've been in quarantine for so long, even before that. So I don't even know what it's like to have people around. You know what I mean? Like that, that is like the one benefit of going to work other than having money, a steady income. There is a lot of benefits actually, but like that's one <laughs> big benefit that not enough people are probably like thinking about or that I wasn't thinking about because I was quarantined for two weeks. 
went back to work and just realized how much I fucking missed like being in the same room as other people. Yeah. Cause like you and I talk on zoom and I'll talk to like, you know, family and friends on the phone, but yeah, actually like being in a room with people that you enjoy being around is like just such a fucking nice little luxury that I didn't think was a luxury until now. it probably makes, and it's good for you just cause I think New York's going to be under lockdown for way longer than mm-hmm. any of these other places are going to be just because of fucking everything population density and, and the map. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things that's probably keeping you sane. And there's all these like studies that people develop like some forms of agoraphobia when they're stuck indoors for too long because they're like, oh shit, when will this ever be okay? Uh, right. So it's something you're probably curbing, which is good because you're going to be under quarantine, I think, for much, much longer. Yeah, no, it's like very good for just mental health in general, you know, just to step outside of your house and going to work is like an excuse to do that, you know. And luckily, I enjoy the people I work with genuinely. So makes it even better it would suck if they were all assholes and it was like that's all i had it was just people i hate but no i i genuinely enjoy the people i work with too so that's awesome that's man it. and 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 it hasn't i mean it's kept you busy right so you haven't had to ponder the nature of your existence or anything you know and your are yeah i mean in in brief moments you know five second spurts here or there i'll like you know think about you know existence and life and being 30 and then right. you know oh shit i gotta do work again yeah, no, I got I got hit by the like, what does it matter? Just die bug for twenty seconds earlier. Like it was so weird. It was so fucking weird. It was a passing thing where it's just like, oh, all right, well, getting older is gonna suck. So, Wait, or, what yeah. does it matter? Just die. Yeah, I no, I had I had like a passing moment where I'm just like, I don't know, man. I give you, I'm a, I could be a sexy corpse. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe you just get out of this sooner rather than later. Don't grow old. And it was it was a literally oh. a ten second thing where it was like you know, uh, don't do that and move on with your life. But for a second, for a second, I was like, just a full second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that we all have weird, dark thoughts during these weird, dark times, man. Yeah, man. But mine was not about the Rona. It was purely because I got more sunsets in my future than sunrises. That's not true. I got the same amount of sunrises and sunsets. Yeah. They're equal. (laughs) The same amount. As you get older, only only sunsets. I was trying to be profound and realize, much like Westworld, I'm saying nothing. I'm not saying anything. Does not hold up to examination for more than a second. Doesn't but matter. You know, it sounded nice, man. It did. Right. Yeah. So, it sounded, uh, I was but, proud of it when it came out of my mouth, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, that's nothing. That's nothing." Yeah. But hey, man, you're getting a coffee subscription, so that's something. Right. Yeah, silver linings, man. You, you excited? Uh, what, what do you What do you do? Like, what you uh, What coffee are you getting? What What are you getting first? Uh, How are you the, gonna brew it? Do you? Have uh, a well, I'll tell you. We got tired of French press. Not really. I got tired yeah. of the maintenance of fresh French pressing because it really is this whole like you have to clean it out, make sure it's all good. You don't want to get mm. leftover fucking grinds right so i got really annoyed by that and i was like yeah just get a fucking coffee thing like i just get a coffee maker or whatever and now it's really great because it's like i can still have all my shitty i I felt bad french pressing like javelia which is good but it's not great it's Mm. fine you know what i mean right but now it's like i'm gonna have some distinguishing things so it's like i'm gonna french press everything on my subscription which i'm really excited about and uh, the first thing is a light roast from indonesia and that's all i got it's all dolores would tell me but i'm excited Mm. Okay, well, I'm you know I'm excited for you, man. I, uh, coffee when, once you start going down like good quality coffee rabbit hole, uh, it's done, man. 
Well, I also intend to try to, to cheap shit. train myself to just completely know because I can drink it black, but it's not something I enjoy. Yeah, I can do it. I don't like right. to do it, but I would like to try to train myself, especially with better beans and better soil, yeah. like to do it. You know what I mean? Well, once you once you get better beans, it's like you don't need to add anything to it, man. Like uh, black is like easy. It's right. You know, it's it's not something you have to train yourself to do. Like, there's a coffee I had recently that was like drinking fruit juice, and it was fucking coffee, and it was like, holy shit. I'm not sure yeah, if no. I want that experience though. Well, was it, it was like it was like yeah, like still like the kind of like acidic notes, but with like lemon and a little bit of zest and zing and pep. It was like a cup of sunshine, man. Uh, Brooklyn Roasting Company, which I I would frequent, even though they're super super fucking hipsters or whatever. What I liked about them is they had a lot of uh, like beans from like Ethiopia and all these places that aren't necessarily like you know the forefront of beans or whatever. But they're amazing because one, the soil is different, and they also are willing to try really weird things. Blood, we're putting blood oranges in here. You know what I'm saying? Like they're willing to fuck with the alchemy in order to get something else. So I am excited, man. I've always I've always considered myself like ignorant to coffee. Like I want to know about it in the same way that I. I am with like whiskey, you know, me and you were like, Oh shit, let's get good whiskey. Never felt that way about coffee, but I want to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of the problem though, is when you deep dive into any one thing and you try like the best version of that thing, then it becomes another expensive habit. And like, that's happened to me with coffee right. and I can't really go back. Like I have this bag of, um, God, what, what is that shitty espresso coffee? It comes in like that yellow bag. I forget what it's called. I don't know. I have like this bag of like cheap fucking coffee um, that I tried the other day because I was desperate and it just tasted like chemical soup, like garbage. This is shit I used to be able to drink. Now I can't drink it anymore because I've had the good shit. Yeah, and I think that's a perspective thing. That's the one thing I'm not worried about with vodka because it's like, nah, kettle kettle's twenty dollars and it's always gonna hit the spot. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it isn't like a wild turkey thing. When we were kids, we were getting into whiskey, and all we could afford was a handle of wild turkey because at the time it was about getting the most for the least. Right. You know what I mean, and it was <laughs> so, like we even knew then that it was shitty without having a point of reference, but it was like a badge of honor. <laughs> And, like, and I and I love turkey. wild turkey, by the way. I do. I it's, do. it's the shittiest whiskey in the world, and I don't drink it often, but I do love it. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. But it's it's uh, after I go to Lagavulin, after I go to Oban, after I go to uh, Lafroyc, right? It's the one you got. Fucking mm. so good. And that's my point. It's like you start to scratch these surfaces and uncover things, and you're just like, I can't go back. And like, that's oh, why I don't drink fucking wild here. turkey as much because, like, how can I? Do I hate myself? <laughs> I did when I was a kid. I feel like, yeah, I feel like to go back to wild turkey, you'd have to at least have a little bit of self hate. You'd have to be a misanthrope on some level, right? right. No, I, like, I think that's what it is. It doesn't fucking matter. We're all going to die one day. Just do the Ed Harris speech from the latest episode of Westworld. Yeah, I, mean, I took a shower today. And while just... you're swirling just a glass of the <laughs> shittiest whiskey, maybe it's a disease hurtling in the rock through space and time. I, uh, I took a shower today, and I was just looking at the drain. as the just... <laughs> right everything's impermanent man you know what's the point my wife's probably hearing this and she's like what the fuck <laughs> like, i didn't tell her anything she's working all day so all of these like yeah suicidal ideations yeah. for half a second she's like I what mean, dude it's best not to stare at drains man like it's just never a good call because <laughs> fucking drains man like think about it their one job is to be a metaphor for the the ever-changing and slipping away of of vitality man right what, what was that line in Louis where it's um, uh, Gary Marshall is talking to him and he said, you're, you're just a, a man spinning the drain in a, in, down the drain in a rapidly decaying orbit. And Louis just looks like he's going to cry. 
that's the most I've ever liked Gary Marshall. And I realize he's like Gary Marshall, you know, yeah, he's like, a wonderful guy. But yeah, that, that scene where it's like, oh, he's being likable, but terrifying at the same time. I wish he tapped into that well more often. <laughs> I want to see that happy days. Like, well, for sure. No, never will. <laughs> didn't happy days as a sitcom change a bunch? Like, cause I didn't watch it when I'm too young and I, I, you're my age. So you didn't watch it either, but I assume uh, you've seen like clips of it and shit like that. Oh, no, and episodes. Like I, I watched all of it i think you watched all of fucking happy days when i was young yeah it was like airing reruns on tv land and that was one of my mom's favorite shows growing up so she would watch it with me but i'm not like a historian it's been since i was a kid since i watched oh my god like all of the seasons you blew my mind for a second i'm like max is a secret fucking historian man he's like i was there to tell the tale of the happier days and then you yeah tell but me. no that that gilligan's island brady bunch unfortunately served like as a weird well, oh, okay, okay well let me ask you this because again what i know is a brady bunch is a pop culture thing uh yeah. but of the two i mean happier happy days was at least in its run the like artistic of the two right like brady bunch was garbage i feel like yeah, Brady Bunch sucked. Um, <laughs> wasn't fucking good. Gilligan's Island was even worse. Gilligan's Island was a level of lunacy that almost made it better just for being so bad. It was trash that leaned into it, but the Brady Bunch was just like, get get out of here. I don't think I know about Gilligan's I mean, obviously, I know what Gilligan's Island is. I know the theme song, and I know the relationships, and they made a radio out of a coconut. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, right. I, they made a lot know. of things out of coconuts. They made working telephones out of coconuts that communicate between islands somehow, but they can't. Like, <laughs> they couldn't get to the mainland? You're right. Oh, wow. They all had clean clothes and multiple changes of clothes, too. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, as soon as, soon as you start looking at it, it just it falls apart. But whatever. Like, to get back to it, yeah, Happy Days was the best of those three. Okay, but, but, but I always thought that my understanding of that show is that that also changed like that well, seasons one and two have a dramatically different feel than what we know as happy days like early on Fonz is a secondary character marginalized barely in it from what I understand yeah 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 uh, Fonz kind of got like a uh, flanderized before that was a term you know he he was just the kind of like the cool guy that showed up sometimes but he wasn't like living in the garage upstairs. What's up, Mr. C? Why don't we have like, characters like that anymore, man? And when we do, they're like bubbles from the wire. You know what I mean? Like they're the coolest person on screen at all times, but fuck, like we could not check in with them every episode. Right. Yeah, it's like the, it's that, that kind of token character who's, you know, who's like funny on the outside, but they're sad on the inside, Mr. C. Oh, you know, I never had Christmas with my dad. The you know, like just shit like that. Is that an actual episode? Did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, Aww. like it shows it shows Fonzie's apartment. Like they they go to like wish him a merry Christmas, and they see a shitty apartment and his sad little tree with like a couple branches. And I think that's the episode where they invite him to live with them. Like the mom is like, we gotta <laughs> Whoa, take okay. him. In. It's the Trojan horse. It's how they write him into the narrative. They're like, right, we gotta bring him in. I guess. Yeah, because like, they're like all they're all really worried about him emotionally. He lives in like Charlie's apartment from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, just in oh, squalor. Man. Yeah. This changes the game. Maybe this show is lit, dude. I don't know. I've always been talking shit for years. I'm like, Monday, Tuesday, happy. Fuck you. Like, I have no desire to live in happier days. Did they make a sequel yeah. to that show or, or no? Uh, well, what's there's the a Vernon, million. Well, the Vernon Shirley was a spinoff of it. Right. And isn't uh, like Joni and Chachi and uh, and more. Yeah, more it's it's more? The, the Happy Days universe starting with American Graffiti and just blowing up from there. Jesus. Gary Marshall, y'all. Or Ron Howard. 
Or yeah, George, George Lucas, Lucas I don't know really. who, we're, who we're rooting for here. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the point is, much like the message, I think, of all of those shows, that the happy yeah, days don't were look back at the drains. Day. Oh. Yeah, don't look at drains. <laughs> Happier days were behind us, and we're all slowly dying. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me that the 70s was such a dark time that they became obsessed with the 50s because that was a, an image of America at its best and brightest and, you know, with the most potential, you know. That is really the, interesting, though, isn't it? Because you think about, like, every uh, decade does this thing where we kind of look back, and it's not new, yeah. right? Because that's 70s into the 50s, right? When we were kids, that 70s show was in the 90s, right? It was looking mm-hmm. back there. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Wonder Years looking back at the 60s? Or is that the no, 60s? It goes through American history, right? Yeah, like, and same with, like, Freaks and Geeks was looking back at the, you know, 70s, uh, right. right? Wasn't that yeah, the 70s? Yeah. I think that was, like... Or, like, 80s. Early, early 80s. Early right? 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right, because James Franco becomes a punk to try to, like, uh, bang this one girl that's a punk or something. Right. So he ends up looking like a fool. Yeah, but, like, but... I just gotta be me. But I think that's fascinating that, like, we, uh, as a society, we keep doing that. We're starting to see it now. We're starting to see things set in the 90s now. Right. Where we're re-examining the, the shit show that was the 90s <laughs> culturally. <laughs> Because here's the thing, uh, decades now, I mean, I, I wonder if like the decade we're currently leaving is going to be as embarrassing on a on a style level. I, I don't think it's as cringy. I feel like we, we got some aesthetics down a little bit better, but maybe I'll be eating my words in 10 years. But I, I don't know. I feel like uh, everything just with the internet got so much more eclectic that there isn't one defining style in this decade. Am I fucking wrong? I probably am. No, no. I mean, I, I, what I think is interesting is that there are these styles that always, I think, always persevere, like in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, it's really interesting to me that trends come and go, right? Like, yeah. oh, people wear denim jackets and then, no, oh, denim's not cool. And then leather jackets, no, leather's not cool. And then like you wait 30 years and everything. 50 styles, like hardcore doing something right now or it was for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it's hard to pinpoint what anything is, but I always look at the stuff where it's like, I don't know, man, people in plaid generally, that's going to work in any decade. You know what I'm saying? Like, always. You gotta get more hoodie? of these shirts. Yeah, come on. I mean, hoodie and plaid, right? That's all it means. That's that's all yeah. that matters. Fucking um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's an argument right now that uh, music is becoming uh, post genres uh, at this point. That that genres have become so mixed and mashed together that they're not really as much of a thing anymore. And that, like, a lot of very popular artists, like the good ones, anyways, um, aren't really a part of just one thing, uh, which is interesting to me. Like well, you look I, at a guy I, like think, King Cruel, and it's like you can't pin him down to one genre, or even Billie Eilish, like a popular example. Yeah, I, I think that uh, to quote Bullworth, my favorite movie. No, and I've said this a, m- a million times, right? Like we all just need to keep fucking until we're all brown, and that's mm-hmm. like what's happen happening with music to an extent. There is a symbiotic kind of moment going on right now, and you can see it in every kind of avenue, whether it's rock or whether it's hip hop or whether it's R and B. Uh, there is this like we're crossing the streams pretty hard and it's a good thing so far it's been this really wonderful thing because people like King Cruel I think is one of the best examples these cats who are still really young and malleable yeah. uh, who are just taking it in and then dishing it back out with their spin I, that, I, that's good for music man I, I ain't no complaining there yeah I, I don't think music I don't know how you feel I don't think music has ever been better on this wide of a scale before because like you can reach into 
any number of yes like there there are amazing touchstones in the past few decades i'm just saying like in terms of what's available right now like at our fingertips what's being released and the amount of good things being released uh i don't know that we've been living in or that there was a better time to be alive as a music listener yeah, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff about that. I mean, I think it's also the availability. I think technology has progressed where more people realize that if you want to, you can make stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, my, my, my brother can't play an instrument. My brother's blind. Uh, he produces music. He does because we have made technology to the point where he's like, okay, that I can loop four times. All right. And he teaches himself how to do it in real time. And it's like, there, there really are no limitations anymore. And it's this fascinating thing. And as a result, you're seeing people make stuff without corporate funding, which I think was the biggest gatekeeper for the longest time, is who's going to pay for you to go make your fucking avant-garde record? Nobody. Right. You know, and we've gotten now, past Now that. we have like uh, people in their bedrooms just uh, just cranking out some dope, chill hip-hop beats. Did you fucking, I mean, too. weird transition, but about people being in their bedrooms. Did you see this one world, uh, this fucking together at home bullshit, this like telethon thingy they did? I don't think so. It, so, I, I, like, I, I think I told you, I've been ignoring the news for a while just for my own mental health. I'm not following any trends or hashtags. Just for now, I'm taking a break. What, what's going on? Well, no, no. It was this thing that happened this last weekend, and it was all like, oh, Lady Gaga organized this thing, and it's all oh. these different people, and they do these concerts, and they're going to sing songs from this. their house. Okay, yeah, so you did was, hear Wasn't that, that like, a, like to the benefit of, like, that was like for a good cause? and like for a bunch of money. Yeah. yeah, I'm not mad at the cause, but by the way, they raised $140 million, which is like less than Netflix gave to the coronavirus fund, like as a single company. So I'm a little annoyed by that, but whatever. I don't want to get into it. Uh, but what I'm saying is like, it was just this really, truly weird experience because I think that like, we all, like we can see someone perform a song on TV in front of an audience and whatever that thing is, that that energy that transference it's it, it's you can still get it it's still palpable because you're seeing this guy and you're seeing people react to this person or or ladies uh and but and and you can feel it in real time i think when you do that when it's just people at their own house playing songs something gets lost in the sauce man i gotta tell you because the illusion is mm -hmm. gone to me yeah i mean i don't know it's it's always like a, a cringier kind of <laughs> Sorry, I just stepped back from the mic. I'm like, all right, take over. Um, yeah, like speaking as somebody who hasn't seen any of this, uh, yeah, it's always cringier like without an audience. Not always, but sometimes. You know, it, it always does help the energy of a thing to have like a light show and people going, yeah, and seeing the crowd get into it and stuff when it's just like some artists without all their gear and stuff in their bedrooms just like... Is that what it was? Like famous artists just in their houses? Yeah. Or like Elton John hanging out in a garden with like a basketball hoop above him. Like I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it was sure. so weird to see it. But uh, I mean, it, it's time back into that thing where it's just like a lot of this is just a lot of very like out of touch celebrities reminding us at like how fucking rich they are. Right. But <laughs> they can hunker down. together, guys. We got to hunker down. And with positivity and love, we'll get through it while they're like fucking sipping, sipping like champagne and... <laughs> In a hot tub um yeah i mean i, I was gonna say that it makes a couple times that i've seen some musicians i uh my friend ryan from the band man man did this thing in new york a couple of years back where he was previewing new songs and but he didn't preview them fully formed he just did it on a piano with one guitar accompanying him and i was like wow that's good i saw another lady there named diana oh she played something just on the ukulele no frills the entire place was like leaning in you know what i'm talking mm -hmm. about like it was this really like wow 
that we all felt it in the moment. Uh, you and me, we saw Jim James at the Festival of Disruption and holy shit, still maybe the greatest show I've ever been to. Yeah, that, that's like in the top three. I was thinking about that literally just today too, which was interesting. That was a good night overall, but that, that show special for the fact that like he started off with a really tight live band and then he kept taking the people off the stage until yeah. it got to just be him and a guitar and then just him with no guitar. And then he turned the lights off too. So it was just a silhouette of Jim James just singing his heart out. I don't know, man. Tiny, or his drummer, yeah. he was 400 pounds. Yeah, Tiny was killing it. And it was yeah. still that idea that we talk about No Frills. The album that he was kind of performing on, by the way, is an electronic record. It's one of my favorite things he's ever done as a solo record, and yet stripped it down. That's what I mean to say that, like, you're, you're a performer. And by the way, they got the Stones and, like, Paul McCartney and Elton John and all these people who have been doing it for years. So you figure they sort of get it. They didn't really conjure that magic. McCartney was fine, although he filmed his shit in Vertical. And you're like, Paul, oh, god damn it. <laughs> like, you're a beetle. Get your shit right. together, man. <laughs> he's an old man, man. He doesn't know how technology works. Someone should have told him. Like, he's a knight, you know? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's a knight. He's embarrassing himself. I mean, Paul McCartney is uh, an embarrassing man at this point. Uh, the Stones are too. Yeah. you know that was weird the stones thing was weird because they weren't in the same room obviously which is good but they did a four-way <laughs> zoom thing which was really weird because it's it's like mick on guitar they did uh you can't always get what you want which oh, i sure. thought was like yeah. what you're gonna you're gonna say that to protesters <laughs> and shit you can't always get what you want stay inside you fucking pieces of shit uh but he said you can't message <laughs> he does he does the rhythm so he's like doing the main chords or whatever and then it starts off and he's the only one in frame and then because all the other boxes are like keith ronnie mm. uh and but then keith shows up i don't know what keith uh is doing because he's not playing guitar like he has a guitar in his hand but i'm looking at his fingers there's there's no playing he's not playing at any point and like every fourth word he'll try to harmonize with Mick jagger but he's yeah there's obviously a zoom delay here so it's not working <laughs> <laughs> like, I was say, that doesn't sound like it would work ronnie wood's killing it he's just like i'm on a fucking guitar i don't give a shit he's killing it the whole time uh and then and then who's the fucking charlie is that his name i don't know the, the drummer is it charlie watts yeah that sounds right charlie watts is just air drumming there's some bongos but i don't think he's touching them either it was the most fucking surreal thing i've ever seen dude i've got to i've kind of got to see that now um yeah keith richards has been on his last legs for the past 20 fucking years like that man better not go outside like yeah, a genie right because I, I was like that fucker is gonna die we made a joke as a nation that like yeah well, well so, sometimes like the 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 fatter you are you know like the the more healthy you seem like keith richards is just like a skeleton at this point <laughs> he just seems like well, I read this like thing a, that was a gust of about... wind carrying some Rona from a hundred <laughs> yards away would like still kill him. It would break his ribs. <laughs> like it wouldn't even infect him. Like, ah! <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I was, I read this thing that was talking about body mass index, right? Cause I've been like a real health nut since I moved out to California. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. what's interesting is you find out that people who have, there's, you know, there's underweight, there's overweight, there's obese, and there's like target BMI. BMI, right? bro. Apparently people who are slightly overweight, live longer than people that are underweight by like a mm -hmm. lot by yeah. like a lot like it's more it's better to be gluttonous than to be malnourished and i i guess that makes sense to me but at the same time it's like you figured it would have been the other way around right yeah well you got to store that fat like you know squirrels store acorns for the winter and shit man you know winter. like uh, 
Yeah, I don't know why that shit is. And I don't think anybody else does either. You know, that I don't read health or nutrition articles anymore because you'll read one that says, hey, you got to be a little bit fat to be okay. And then another one's like, yeah, don't be fat. It's bad for you. Visceral fat is constricting your organs. Right. So now I'm just like, I'm just going to eat whatever the fuck I want and walk it off later. Yeah, you figure that the more fat, the more, I mean, insulation, for lack of a better word, you're insulated right. from the whole world. You're like, you got to get through a bunch of layers before you get to me virus you know yeah it's like bubble boy you know except that's your bod you know it's always bubble boy that's the thing you know <laughs> really the whole it world all, it all comes back to bubble boy it's never not bubble boy apartheid bubble boy everyone knows this oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah bubble boy what a movie uh jake gyllenhaal at his finest someone brought up okja today on the double toasted show i actually uh, watched that for the first time all the way through recently you want to talk about choices. Acting's all about choices, Max. We all know this. Yep, totally normal. Whatever Dylan Hall that one is doing no, in that movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no nothing strange about it. Just regular guy. That's just how he is, I'm assuming. Bold. It's a bold performance. And I actually respect it because we all know how good Jake Gyllenhaal is. So you know, like I'm not questioning right. it. He chose he made a decision and he stuck with it. Like I, I think he's just a legitimate crazy person in the real real world i I could be wrong i kind of get that vibe that he's a little bit unhinged like did you see the uh sack lunch bunch thing oh yeah i saw that yeah 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 Yeah. yeah. that was fun (laughs) jake gyllenhaal like steals that whole fucking thing as mr music like holy shit but he's tapping into that same insane energy where it's like he seemed like his nightcrawler character is what i got out of it like if his nightcrawler (laughs) character on a children's tv show show. That's all I uh, thought. I was like, oh, God, he probably could not be anywhere near these kids or a school or anything. I don't know anything about him. But yet in spite him. of that, I want an entire special hosted by and starring Mr. Music now. So, yeah, no, he's 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 I was going to say just in terms of like the choices he's been making as an actor, like the like cause the Mysterio thing is really weird to me because I know that seems like, oh, why? That's not a weird choice. And it isn't for like anyone else. But considering the films that like led up to that for Jake Gyllenhaal. Because right. I'm thinking about that one and like the what's the really bad one that the Prince night of Persia? No, the Nightcrawler guy did the art. Oh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just like say what you want. The movie's not great. Gyllenhaal's doing something in there. He's playing this fucking weird character, and it's just so interesting to like that Nocturnal Animals and like all of these choices he's been making lately have led to credence to your theory that he might be a madman. Yeah. No. He's he's been playing crazy people for a while, man. Zodiac. Get out of here. Darko. Don, Donnie crazy. Darko, all the way back in Donnie Darko, dude, city slickers. You could tell there was something up with that kid. Right, right. <laughs> He's that into the occult or in. something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you, what if they know did city really slickers like... and, he, and he tried to conjure up Curly's ghost? <laughs> like silly city slickers three, <laughs> and it's Jack Palance's ghost, and they're just looking for more treasure, man. I'm into it. You know what's really fucking me up? Like, I'm 30 now. I am, like, three years off from the age of Billy Crystal's character in City Slickers. And I grew up with that movie. And that was, like, the picture of, like, midlife crisis desperation. I'm three years away from that now. No. Weirder. I think we're, like, two years away from Homer Simpson. That's weirder for me. That is the most horrifying thing I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're in your 30s, man, like, you, you are starting to suppress, like, all of the sitcom dads that you grew up with you know because unfortunately like our own real fathers weren't the portrait of like you know middle-aged <laughs> manhood it was like the dudes on tv that we grew right. up with yeah, yeah. Uh, almost there 
Jesus. Uh, how old is Ted Danson in Cheers? He's in his 40s, right? I got that to look in for. Cheers? Too. Yeah. Because he's a retired ball player. I mean, he could be like in his late 30s or something, but. I, I always thought, well, because like, how old is that guy? Because Cheers was in the early 80s or mid 80s? I think he's 70 now. Yeah. Fuck. Uh. I mean, it does a fuck with Shit. you that if you're born in the 80, like 80, you're like 40 now. Like again, decades. Away. We were born in 1990, which is always a nice little cheat sheet because I only have to add 10 years to everything. You know, that's right. the best part of where we are. I'm like, what year is it? 2020? Uh, 20, uh, 30. Yes. I have to actually carry the one and shit. Seriously though, like people born in the year 2000, so lucky. Yeah. They never have to do math in their is, life. They were also born into a world that's like basically post-11. Well, like, you know? Aside from that, just the convenience think about that they're joining the workforce now they're going into college and never once do they have to go uh, how old am i again right cunts sorry i don't mean to be mean but jesus christ like yeah. i mean you don't have to try with those kids those fuckers those generation zers do you feel good about the youth and we this is a topic that we talked about often when i was breaking down in the podcast early in our run but now in our 70s sir how do you yeah. feel about the youth of america I still feel fine. I worry about him, man. You know, like, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with him inherently. Uh, yeah. They're doing all right. They're, they're doing stop. the best that they can. <laughs> yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, like you said, they're born into a really shitty, shitty world. And uh, I feel like every generation tries to blame or, or put some shit on the, the one coming after them. I, I did literally think about this and I was like, oh man, like we say, okay, boomer pretty derogatorily now and they deserve it. But I was yeah. thinking like, aren't we more aligned? I feel like millennials are so much more aligned with the ideals of, of what are these Gen Xers? Is that what we call them? Mm -hmm. Gen Zers? Gen Zers. Gen yeah. Zers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we're way Zers. more aligned with them than the, than we were with the boomers, you know, or like the Gen Xers even. I feel like there's a yeah. bigger disconnect from that 80s generation than our generation. I, I think millennials, uh, by and large, much more liberal and uh, even more so progressive, I would say, are the generation Zers. Um, but only time will tell, I guess. I don't know. That That's promising, though, man. Like, we're, we're living in a world where, uh, like, like I was just watching uh, Adventure Time. I finally finished that. I've been binging that, you know, because I was like five seasons behind on that shit. And what better time to watch, you know, that fucking heartwarming gem of a show than right now? And uh, fuck, man, like the final episode of that show, a children's television show, had a lesbian kiss at the end of it. And I was Whoa. like, damn, look at how far we've come. This shit would not have been able to air five years ago. His new show just came out today. Uh, I know, the yeah, Midnight the, the Midnight Gospel. I need to check that out. I'm cited. Yeah, Pendleton Ward, 420, dropping <laughs> a show for us all. <laughs> you doing anything for 420, man? I know you don't goof usually, but, you know, it's 420. It's 420. I'm, I'm over here drinking coffee and being sober. Oh, I'm sorry. How, how's about you? What are you doing to celebrate? Oh, all of it. All of it. All of it. Yeah, sorry. I was doing my Gary Oldman. Uh, no, man. Yeah, I'm doing all of it. I don't know. My birthday's tomorrow. I've had this one joint for a minute called Space Coyote that I have yet to smoke. I think I told you about this like months ago. Mm. I got it months ago and was like, I don't know. That's like a me in the desert kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to save Doesn't it. Doesn't that get like stale after a while or is it just good? 
Good to go. I hope it doesn't. It's never been broken, so I think it's got a seal. I'll go look. I'll go look mm. now. Make sure it's like when I'm gonna get it. What, so what, speaking, what is it gonna go stale? What does that mean? <laughs> does that I don't mean? know. I'm not a scientist, all right. I'm just asking a question. Don't come at me. Speaking of going stale, though, there's this YouTube update on YouTube channels I watch while I'm in quarantine. <sighs> I found this one. Oh, you're already rolling your eyes, putting the hoodie up. Found this one that's like for, for reasons I don't understand the most fascinating thing like it's so hypnotic I can't stop watching it. It's this uh, YouTube channel called like Steve 1989 MRE info and it's just about this guy who <laughs> gets MREs which if you don't know are meals ready to eat you know from the from the army right. from like sometimes decades sometimes centuries ago opens them up and tries out the food like and I'm talking like shit from like the civil war shit from before that sometimes so be not like perishable opening shit up i mean dude some of it's still good according to steve he'll be like wow oh did wow, you ever any that. you when you were in the army you had some mres for sure right oh hells yeah i had some opinions about those mres like we we had them so much that like i could tell you what was good what was not how to fuck with like the yogurt powder yeah what was good my my, you know, my, my whole family's in the military and i skated that because weird uh but they always talked about the MREs when I was young, so I'm just asking. I mean, the buffalo chicken wasn't bad. Like there, there were some good ones. Um, they, there was like pasta. Like it, there's weird technology. They had these these bags where you added water to them, and it would like heat up when it yeah. came in contact with water. So you would slip it inside of like, you know, the hot food packet, and it would heat it up like a hot meal. And you would have a hot meal out of a bag. Usually came with crackers with like some uh, either cheese spread or like. Uh, jam or something like that all right bro like do, you, do you ever eat worms though you eat worms though because they make you no, eat worms though no i never ate worms i did have to dig a hole to poop in once in the <laughs> fucking woods i don't did know if you that then at least get to test it out like it was worth it for you or no i mean it, it was a place for me to take a shit in i don't know if that <laughs> worth it is the right word they were like, use your shovel and dig a fucking hole over there, and this is how you do it. And you gotta dig it the length of the shovel. And no, I get that, it. but you didn't then take a shit, did you? Or did you? You're like proof of concept. You got, you got it. No, well, the instructions were when you have to take a shit. We don't have a bathroom on this range, okay. so this is how you do that outdoors. I thought what they were doing was like in a very unlikely no, scenario. No, it, it, <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, hey, boys, line up, dig a hole now, take yes. a shit. That's no. what I thought. I was like, what? Oh man! It's like I don't have to shit, sir. Well, you're gonna be here a while. Like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) That would be amazing. Like these fucking drill sergeants, man. They want to control everything. (laughs) They had nothing planned for that day, so they're just like, all right, we'll just take them to the shit house. I don't know. We should make that movie, man. We should make a movie about two guys. Shit house. Shit house. Yeah, but we're we're drill sergeants, but we're imposters. We don't know how to really. It's like a Pauly Shore, Andy Dick movie. You know, like it would be basically in the Army Now sequel. Where, like, after they went to the army and somehow thwarted, I believe, uh, Saddam? Is that the point of that movie? I don't remember. I never saw that movie. I couldn't tell you. You're missing nothing, I promise you. Mm. Uh, Except, potentially, the jumping-off point for our most profitable film. More like it would be, like, the first half of Stripes, but, like, in reverse. Right. Why am I not going to the Harold Ramis well? (laughs) Like, why, why, why did I immediately go to the worst possible example? I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, Stripes for the first half of that movie is great because it's, you know, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and all that, like, just being, like, fucking goofballs in the army. 
but then eventually like i don't know if you remember that movie that well but like it kind of goes off the rails like in the second half Mm-mm, have you ever I seen don't. stripes i have i just don't remember the film at all i mean i've watched all the ramus bill murray stuff yeah yeah the first half is them in basic training and they start off as like you know irresponsible incompetent sarcastic boobs and then they like become like actual you know uh they, they get together and they can do push-ups now and they can is march it, in formation is it a and comedic the, full metal jacket even though that yeah, basically is hilarious by the way and then the second half of it is about some weird military vehicle that's top secret that gets stolen and bill murray has to track it down and it just like is not good it tracks i mean that's that definitely that's definitely before full metal jacket but as i say full metal jacket does that structure where you start mm-hmm. off thinking you're watching one movie and yeah. then no nope. two stories just kind of together yeah but everybody remembers the first half they don't really remember the sniper part as much in full metal jacket Oh like yeah, do. no, you that's what, that's totally what I'm gonna say. Like until I watched that as an adult, my only recollection of that movie was basic training. Was Lee or and Ermy or whatever his name was just going out there yelling at people. You know what I mean? Or like, Lee Ermy. Yeah, didn't he? He passed away recently, right? Yeah, he like, passed a couple of years ago. back. Yeah. But a guy, but again, a guy who's like never going to leave my consciousness ever. Like he was so singular. He got paid to yell. He got paid to basically be himself. Like what a dream, you know? Yeah, because I mean? he actually did that fucking job, and he just like got hired to do what he got paid to do before when he was in the Marines. See, he would have been fine with that one. I think he wouldn't have been as cool at Stripes. Because Stripes is like, you're making a mockery. You know, he would have gotten really shitty about it. But I think about like how many times the army has been used for like weird shitty movies. And I'm just like, eh, they didn't seem to have morals or standards then. Like they did Operation Dumbo Drop. Did we just forget about that as a film? Where the whole yes, film, like the United States. About that as a film. <laughs> the United States government sends resources to go drop an elephant via parachute. It's a weird movie. Yeah, I mean, you, you ever see, like, there's this trend on YouTube, too. I'm a very, I'm into YouTube, obviously. But, like, this yeah. is a trend on YouTube with, like, these experts that will come in. Like, this is a doctor reviewing oh, yeah. doctor scenes for movies. And it's, like, when they have military guys do it, you can see, like, the pained expressions on their faces because it's a literal life and death job. And they just see so many things fucking it up. Like, I saw this one dude, like, for 10 straight minutes just breaking down why the Hurt Locker is bullshit. Whoa. Like, why it's insultingly bad. It was great. Do you want to share with the class? I've, I've never, I don't really oh. know anything about it. I know this when I was young, because again, my whole family was in the military, that I, I couldn't watch things with military in it because my fucking dad or my stepmom would be like, that uniform's on wrong. Mm-mm. Like just immediately took well, you out of the artifice of it. Having been in there for a short amount of time, just like seeing military dudes wearing their hat indoors where you're trained to immediately, immediately take, take it, it off. off. Just like yeah. basic shit like that. That they that, that I knew and I've never served a goddamn day, Max, and I knew it. <laughs> this is amateur hour. Who's making these movies, man? I don't fucking know, dude. But no, Hurt Locker, uh, his main beef with it as like a combat veteran, you should check it out. It's like a cracked video, but it's actually good. Um, uh, the dude's just... <laughs> Fired on cracked. Yeah, I keep going. Uh, no, the, the dude just breaks down like how like Jeremy Renner's character in that movie is like addicted to danger and that's why he does it. And he just doesn't care about his own life and he doesn't play by anybody else's rules. And he's like, no, like we very much care about living and dying and that would be an extreme liability in, in the battlefield situation, you do not want that type of personality doing that kind of job. You'd be kicked out in a fucking second. Well, I haven't seen this like movie best, literally best since movie. 2009, but my question is, yeah. like, you do it once, that's fine. Is this a movie where, like, four or five times he, like, goes against orders to do some yeah, dangerous shit? Is, I think that if memory serves, because it's been a minute since I've seen it, he, like, kind of, like, 
goes rogue in the middle of the movie in like an Iraqi town or something and just like is just doing some shit and getting really drunk and like fucking up a lot. I don't know. I don't really remember that movie that much. Catherine Bigelow, man. <laughs> Followed it up with another war movie. Even more accurate, I'm sure. Right? Wait, is that their I next movie? Saw, I never saw Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, it's a real, I don't know. I don't want to get it's into Catherine Bigelow as an auteur theory. Like, what, a, what is there to say about her? I root for her because she's a female in a shitty industry and she beat James Cameron. There's a lot to like about her. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that is probably the best thing about her is that she beat James Cameron, who she used to be married to. Right, right. The best and worst thing. It's her gift and her curse, like fucking Van Helsing. It's like the one defining trait of Catherine Bigelow's life. Right. Do you think that that ruined him to the point where that's why the Avatar sequels have been delayed? We're like never seeing spirit, those fucking movies. Man. His spirit was just so thoroughly crushed. He's just had Sam Worthington, like, jerry-rigged against a green scream hellscape, shouting at him through a bullhorn just for the I, past 10 years. I haven't seen Sam Worthington in anything else, so I have I'm, to imagine. I'm pretty sure he's being held at gunpoint in James Cameron's compound at this point. Or maybe he's making real avatars. Maybe that's the next technological leap, you know? He invented actual Navi. He's doing Westworld now. He's, he's created... just unleash them on the planet. Like, If James know. Cameron came to you in five years and said, like, I built Pandora. Like, not this Disney bullshit. Fuck these clowns. Right. I did it right, okay? And he, like, opens the door and it's, like, miles and miles and miles. I'm talking expansive Amazon rainforest of Navi. I have a question about <laughs> sure let's all right let's go i'm here to answer i have a question about avatar lore and it's like <laughs> okay when the two avatars fuck or whatever the navi they they're uh their the tentacle hair. thing yeah, connect yeah. right yeah. but also in the movie in order to ride that dragon thing he connects the tentacle thing they're fucking the he's fucking yeah, that dragon fucking. yeah he's okay. fucking that dragon he's fucking that plant if you can see it, it's been fucked in the in the Avatar universe, man. I just wanted to be clear about that. Yeah. Well, I hope you're crystal clear now. I hope there's no ambiguity about Does the sexual not assault. Does it have, like, genitalia? Does it not work like that for them? Like, it just opens up too many questions. <laughs> or, or it just doesn't have enough answers. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> You know, two plus two equals four, but three plus one does as well, right? Like, and that's not Avatar's specialty. There's no multiple routes to the same destination here. Yeah, I mean, again, their their name for the element that they were mining was unobtainium, so <laughs> it wasn't like the smartest script ever. I have to imagine, though, that that was put in as a wink and a nod, and he yeah. really thought that Giovanni Ribisi was going to sell it, and he, sold, and he sold it the other way is the problem. <laughs> like, Unobtainium. This is why we're here. Exposition drop rock. Yeah, and I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. And again, everyone ate that movie up. That was one of the most surreal fucking experiences because like everyone seemed to, on the beats, like that movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving that movie and no one liked that movie. Like none of yeah. my group anyway. Uh, yeah. Obviously it was a phenomenon and it made $2 billion, $3 billion, whatever. It's made a lot of money. I'm just saying that like, I, I'll never forget watching a movie that seemed to be playing well and then not hearing a single good thing about it afterwards. Well, I remember uh, this was back when I was in college at UCF and I was rooming with Ben, our mutual friend Ben, and uh, Ben's dad kind of came into town for a minute and he treated us to a 3D showing of, of Avatar. And I'd Aww. already seen it and didn't like it. 
And Ben's dad loved it. So I know at least one person who really got a lot out of it. You know what's funny about that is Ben's dad is like a pretty harsh conservative, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. It's amazing. No, it's the biggest dichotomy in the world because everything else about him is like cool, hippie, hipster, fucking like, I like jazz and doobies, bro. You know what I'm talking about? Like, right. that's him. With the uh, hair and, then, and the goatee and everything. Yeah. Right at the 11th hour, he lets you know. Also, Obama's a socialist Muslim. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Right. Can't watch uh, Wally because the environmentalist message, but I guess Avatar got a pass for him for some well, reason. Well, that's the thing. So Dolores' stepdad is this righteous piece of shit who adores that movie, thinks it's the best movie of all time, and Wait, just Wally or Avatar. Uh, Avatar completely. Oh. The environmental message, the like, hey man, don't deforest right over his head. Did not understand it and just thought it was an amazing film. And I'm like, yeah. I guess that's right. the that's the importance of art because sometimes if you're ignorant enough, you just won't see yeah. yourself. <laughs> like. Right. It, it gives you permission to have empathy for a bunch of fake blue people, but not yeah. the actual real people. <laughs> Indigenous tribes and right shit. Now. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they are. They're just like, because again, like the whole idea of missionaries, right? I think we talked about right. this before, is you're supposed to go and make sure everyone gets the word. It's your responsibility. Uh, so they don't mean to be Bible thumpers. They have to be. Otherwise, how are they getting their ticket in? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Really, if you think about it, religion is like a pyramid scheme where like it's like Amway. You need to get three of your closest friends, and if they get three of their friends, and like mm-hmm. you get a little scale, a little ladder to heaven, and it's all good. You right. know? Some people get better leads than others. You know, Some people get a, a ticket to London, and some people get a ticket to the Congo. You know? <laughs> right, because that's like the Book of Mormon thing that always got yeah. me, because I listen yeah. to Book of Mormon, and it's just like... <laughs> Imagine being that dude because again, it's you can't decide, but yeah. political connections and whatnot. Oh, I'm gonna go to Paris. Mitt Romney went to Paris. It's it's literally it, it's like Glengarry Glen Ross or something, and it's like Mitt Romney is Al Pacino, <laughs> and who's Alec Baldwin in this? Please continue, continue. Uh, I don't know. God, <laughs> head of the Mormon Church, always be selling or closing. Sorry, shit. Always, always be Mormon is is the, the spin on be that. Mormon. And they're and they're really fucking good too. They're charismatic. They're yelling at you and shit, but they always end, no matter how you take it. So first prize, get into heaven. Second prize, <laughs> set of steak knives. You know what third prize is? Fucking going to hell. <laughs> also, I have this book. And they just slide it right across. That's how they get you. Fear. Shock and awe, baby. The Mormon way. <laughs> yeah, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Uh, great movie. Terrible title. I didn't see it for the longest time because I was like, that's the dumbest title for a movie. It like, annoys me to even say it. Glengarry Glenn Ross. I, I agree. Glenn. Whose play is that? Is that Mammoth or Simon? Yeah. Mammoth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a writer. Come on, guy. Write a better title. Like well, that, that's true. I want to say it's not even like oh, it's not even like Rosebud. You know what I mean? It's not like this thing that like Clint uh, Lynch pins it all together at the very end or some bullshit. Even though like, the movie's not Citizen Kane's not called Rosebud either. I want to throw that out there. I'm done. <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you're fucking garbage. Okay, and your pop culture lasting power aside, uh, no, just no. Yeah, but you know what? Good movie. <laughs> a better play i'm a purist i saw it on the stage you know back in 88 oh wow you're that old huh that wasn't alive 
I do like the idea of a theater critic baby, though. <laughs> a two-year-old showing up in previews. He's not going open at night. He's going two months beforehand, okay? But it's not even a smart baby. It's just a baby, and nobody knows how it got there. It's always in front row center, just sitting there, no shirt on, just a baby diaper, yeah. just watching a man. Does he have, like, a notepad that it looks like he's writing notes? He's not writing anything. He doesn't understand letters and fucking... Just, like, <laughs> sort of haplessly clutching at it like a baby does. <laughs> occasionally uncaps the pen gets ink on its little baby hands do you think that that we would we would make that baby a tastemaker you know and, and the next day like just an eloquently worded three thousand word review by a baby that's the byline <laughs> is it an anonymity thing he's like i don't even know who i am i was born with a singular purpose okay reviewing the stage it doesn't have a sense of self but it has a sense of stagecraft and also, like, a re- encyclopedic uh, like callback to the stage and history of, uh, of, of stage, of Broadway, you know what I mean? He's like, not since company in 78. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I know we say it all the time, Max, but I'm, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the catchphrase for this podcast. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch everything that we pitch. I think that's the truth because that's hilarious to me. I'd watch a little baby muck yeah, up the man. stage can, can world. We, can we make that? Let's actually like make it, you know? Let's make at least one of the things that we pitch. Yeah. All right. No matter how stupid. Maybe the stupidest one is the one we have to make. Uh, do you have a favorite of the things that we've pitched? I've, so far, Footloose 2 really is, I think, the Mount Rushmore of our improv bits. You think so? Well, because I'll tell you why. Because we started it with a fucking Mark Twain quote, a title card, and then we got him to like the second act of that story already i was like oh that's half written baby we're done we just ran around third base shooting children for playing music it's become so fucking well think about that because then we spend the whole second act like what happened you used to love music right like you even have his wife say that like that writes itself i'm ready to make footloose too i mean honestly man like the the fucking the lost highway slash uh coyote ugly hybrid that was coyote ugly three yeah um it's up there for me We've and gotten way more, Chad. yeah, we've gotten way more improv I think this last batch of episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. Cali influence, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Lil Grey Boy was right before we left, or I left. Grey Boy. Lil Grey Boy. <laughs> E.T. for the Trump times. I was like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I don't know who said it. The but... plot of which is we see a Grey Boy <laughs> dressed What's in up? Maggie kidnap him take him to the desert waterboard him and then leave him to die and then the movie just ends it's for the trump times man i don't know what you want i don't know man we, we've had a lot of good bits like is uh footloose 2 your favorite though That's i think footloose 2 is the one that is like the most I coherent that. yeah i could write that is the difference everything else is just like no one's gonna give me money it's to create an alien yeah, <laughs> yeah. our latest one is just a baby that somehow writes things <laughs> not only writes the writing sores max all right it, broadway is dead before this baby brings people back to the fucking seats you know what i mean influences of fossey abound in the latest adaptation <laughs> it's like oh. that was written by that little baby that was spitting up all over himself in the he's quiet though he's, a respectful. he's respectful he understands when the when the curtains open and when the lights go down showtime we can all learn from this baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
who's that character? Who's that character? Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't know what side he's on. He's like, I think I got to kill this baby, but he's popular right now. So (laughs) we could learn from this baby, I guess. What? I don't know. Before this baby came along, theater was a madhouse. Everybody was screaming over the actors. You couldn't hear anything. You know, this baby walks into the room, silent as a fucking church mouse or whatever. You know, I don't want to get political here or anything, but, you know, it makes a real case for a strong man, you know? Like, democracy's fine sometimes, but a strong man. Baby, is that what we're talking about? Sequel? Yeah. Yeah, well, he comes in and he writes the wrongs of the entire industry. He gets everyone to fall in line. He's basically Saddam, you know what I mean? Like, say what you want. They, they like, change the Constitution so that he can be elected because yeah. he's so inspirational. Yeah. Like, he, they, they just think he's cute when he gets up to debate his opponent. His opponent, like, just can't even debate him because he's just <laughs> cute. He's like, oh, man. But he I, thinks it's cute. And then the next day, there's a scathing 3,000-word takedown of his opponent by that baby. And the guy's like, what the fuck? This baby. He lulled me into a false sense of security and, then, and penetrated my defenses. <laughs> and as my first executive order, I will be imprisoning all of my political opponents <laughs> there's his baby he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of broadway but not of world history and what not to do as a leader he fucks up immediately time for re-education i don't know i don't know what he would say he wouldn't say anything because he's he's he can't speak he, he doesn't it. have to say anything he just yeah. writes you, you know think and he would see up in america by a lot which is good right it's bad because we're in a fascist baby police state well maybe that's the only fascist police state that works is a baby one you know because Right. What does he get in force, really? Nap time? <laughs> in. In. Dude, I've talked about this a hundred times, but back in kindergarten, when we had nap time, I was always like, I'm not sleeping. I'm a big kid. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm not a baby. And now as an adult, all I wish I could do is go back in time and grab my younger self and say, listen to me. Don't you understand? <laughs> Let's make that really low stakes <laughs> time travel movie, please. <laughs> You asked like me what I wanted to do. Here we go. I just invents time travel just to tell his younger self to appreciate nap time. But then like his time machine breaks. So now he's stuck in his past with his oh, younger shit. self. Oh, shit. That's actually it. That's like a, what's that Batista movie that just came out? Like My Spy or any movie where there's a big dude and a little guy. Like Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> I mean, it's a classic combo, Christian. Like You can't, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, dynamic. come on. Yeah. Twins really up the ante. Short guy, tall guy. You know, yeah. instantly funny. Well, we've got the formula. We, we, we just need to write it, man. We have the formula. We understand how to do it. You know, like, right. didn't I pitch to you that other, I wanted to do a weird time travel movie that was the effect was the cause sort of thing. And I just couldn't figure it out in real time because I thought that that was what was interesting about it was that there's no stakes. There's no like, we got to go back and kill Hitler. So Hitler doesn't exist. And then it fucks anything up. It's totally opposites. People in the past end up in the future and you're like, oh, all right. And then uh, me and Dolores got into it. And she was like, back to the future. I'm like, that's not back to, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop. And we Wait, got to so a big people fight. from the past are going to the future? So yeah, she's like, back past. to the future. I'm like, no, back to the future is about a guy in the present who goes back to the past, who comes back to an altered timeline. That's not the same thing. He doesn't go to the future. You have to start right. in the past and then make your way to the future. But didn't we talk about this though? Isn't that that thing with Guy Pierce where he does go forward in time? Because were, were, you, were you not the one who was bringing up, like, I can't think of the time travel story where they just go into the future? 
future. Well, then I thought, like, what was the first time travel story? <laughs> just, the time machine. The time machine. And I'm pretty sure he just goes to the future in that one. But I yeah. couldn't remember it in real time. And I was like, I don't know, man. I like the idea of, like, you can do winks and nods to, like, people... Like, oh, they see something in the future and they're like, oh, they think they recognize it, but it's not. It's this other thing. And you can do it that way, but it's not a causality thing. I think that's the problem with time travel movies. You have to keep rules in your head. And I wanted to avoid that, but still have time travel in it, you know? Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that the key is that you have a couple of idiots that come across the time travel device or whatever. Okay. The scientist is dead or maybe they kill the scientist or something like that. And that way you don't have to explain it because they don't understand how it works. Okay. So they're then just then there are no rules like kids with guns just like eh, literally yeah pull the trigger it goes bang that's all there is to guns that's all there is to time travel <laughs> they end up in dark dark times indeed <laughs> can we do a time travel movie which is where black people go back to any time in history because <laughs> i think that's what we've been missing is like actual black time travel right because it's always like some white white guy and it's like a charming thing where it's like oh he's in the 50s isn't that cute but that's a very different experience for a black person yeah. Go back to the 50s or the gotta 1800s. Get, gotta get Catherine Bigelow for that one, for sure. Why? Detroit. You see that movie? Detroit's yeah. a horror film. This is what yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's fucked up. It's not yeah. great, but it's fucked uh, up. Yeah. Will There's Polter's no joke here. It's, it's terrifying for brown yeah, people. Boyega's good. They did their best, I guess. But yeah, the I guess best. we'll get Catherine Bigelow to direct that. Well, what is she doing? Nothing. You know, like she's around. She's available. We'll get a white woman to depict the black experience of time travel. Eddie, I don't see anything wrong with this. This seems like a foolproof plan, man. We have to get it funded first, guy. All right. Like we got a Trojan horse this shit. We got to get Shonda Rhimes writing the script and then Catherine Bigelow to legitimize it, sadly. I'm just going to say it. Tyler Perry. You know, I think he's due for a serious film about time travel. Yeah. You know, he has his own studio. Right. I think he'd love it. He'd, ju he'd jump at the chance, man. Let's pitch him. All right. Well, we know where to find him. He has his own fucking town in Atlanta. They named a town after him. I have feelings. What is it called? Tyler Perryville? Town? Oh. <laughs> Tyler Town makes way too much sense. <laughs> <laughs>